All right, good to see you all this morning. My name is David, and I'm the pastor here. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to 1 Peter 1. Emily Smith, where are you? You love being called out in the middle of a group. Way back there, all of these beautiful flowers, Emily Smith. Thanks so much. you have anything you want to share? I didn't think so. <laughs> That's good. For those of you that are joining us online at the beach or in your house, we're glad that y'all are with us as well. Brief video here to start. It's riveting. Don't want to miss a moment of this. All right, that's it. That's our goal as people. We want to be like that ball. Smiley face, and we want to bounce back. Two things I want to talk about today, resilience and hope. One of the things I, I'm, this is all, I'm, I'm still kind of working this out in my mind and in my heart, but over the last 12, 14 months, it seems to me, one of the, thing, one of the things I've taken away if we're going to navigate this world well, we need to be people who are resilient and we need to be people of hope. So we want to talk about that for a couple of minutes this morning. Resiliency, it's, just, it's that. That's the picture. It's the property of a material that allows it to return to its original shape after it's been deformed because of pressure. So the rubber ball is deformed when it hits a hard surface, but because rubber is resilient, it returns to the shape of a sphere, of a ball, once it comes up off of the flat surface. And we want to be those kinds of people. Resilience and uh, resiliency, those words are used interchangeably. I'll use both of them. Um, it, it's not just a physical property of materials. It's also an emotional and a spiritual capacity in people. And that's what we want to cultivate. It's, it's bounce-back ability, if we can make up that word. It's the heart's capacity to recover from devastation or loss or tragedy and to move on. It's our ability to adapt in the midst of stress and, again, to, to move forward. We want to be those kinds of people. And, again, I think maybe one thing that we learned from last year is how quickly loss and tragedy and suffering can kind of be dropped in our laps. And if we're not resilient people, we're not going to get back up. Just a distinction, this uh, I found people get confused. Uh, resiliency and perseverance are not the same. They're cousins, but they're not identical twins. Perseverance is the capacity to bear up well under difficult circumstances. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Resiliency is the capacity to bounce back on the other side of difficult circumstances. I get knocked down and I get back up again. They're not the same thing. On Good Friday, Peter is a negative example of perseverance. He doesn't persevere. He does not bear up well under pressure. He's questioned by a servant girl who at the time, servant girls are at the bottom of the food chain in the social hierarchy. They have no power. They have no influence. They're not intimidating at all. And three times he's asked, don't you know this guy? Aren't you connected to Jesus? And three times he says, no, I, I don't know him. That's not perseverance. When he's put under pressure, he cracks. Again, he doesn't, he doesn't bear up well 
under the difficulty of those circumstances. But on Easter Sunday, I think we see resilience in Peter, the story that Autumn read. The last we see of Peter on that Friday night, he denies Jesus for the third time, then Jesus turns and looks him dead in the eye. And Peter breaks down weeping, understandably so. And then Sunday morning when he hears this report, hey, the tomb is empty, he jumps up and he runs. He's bounced back, probably not fully, but at least to a degree. He's not kind of pouting in the corner or licking his wounds. He gets up and he runs to see what's going on. We want to be those kinds of people. We're going to experience suffering. We're going to experience hardship, disappointment, loss. We want to be the kind of people who bounce back. We want to be resilient. That's not a word that some of you are probably thinking. I don't remember seeing that word in the Bible. It's not in there. I think it's a biblical concept, but it's not a biblical word. Hope is different. Hope is an incredibly important word in the New Testament. A New Testament definition of hope is a confident expectation of a better future. But that's not the way that we use the word hope in our culture. For us, hope doesn't have the opposite meaning, but it leans in the direction. It pulls against biblical hope. So if biblical hope is a confident expectation of a better future, the way we use hope is when we're not confident about the future. We use hope as a, it's a wavering wish. It's, I want something to happen, I'm just not sure it will, and so in order to lower my expectations so I'm not too disappointed or embarrassed, I'm going to say, well, I just hope. I hope I get the job, I hope she says yes, I hope things work out. That's how we use it. Not a confident expectation about this better future, but a lack of confidence about an unknown future. Again, there, there are things that we want to see happen, but we don't really think they're going to. And so we say, I hope they will. That's okay, words evolve over time, but that's just not, when you read that word in the Bible, just keep in mind what it means, a confident expectation of a better future. Resilience and hope, are they're mutually supportive. Resilience strengthens hope. We can maintain a confident expectation of a better future because we bounce back when things don't go our way, because we bounce back after a loss or a tragedy. That capacity to get back up again, that strengthens our resolve to continue to hope. And hope fuels or feeds resilience. The reason you get back up again, the reason that you get up off the ground is because you have a confident expectation of a better future. Those things, again, they're mutually supportive. They're not the same, but I think they're both really important if we want to navigate the world that we live in well. What does any of that have to do with Easter? First Peter 1 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, the Father has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Father has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The resurrection is its the ground, it's the foundation, or it's the fuel, if you like that word better, for hope, and I would say for resilience as well. Both of those things are rooted in the resurrection. Why? Because the resurrection demonstrates and confirms the character of God. We know who God is, not just because he tells us who he is, but because he shows us who he is. And exhibit A is the resurrection of Jesus. 
the resurrection of Jesus confirms to us that God is all good, that God is all wise, that God is all loving, that God is all powerful, and that God is trustworthy. That's what the resurrection demonstrates to us. Nobody else comes up with that plan. I'm going to rescue humanity by sending my sinless son to live a life as a man on earth. Allow him to be betrayed, denied, deserted, falsely accused, beaten, mocked, killed. That's the plan. And by the way, because he's the sinless one. Death has no claim on him. And so three days later, he's going to walk out of the tomb. Who's ever heard of that? Who comes up with that? The all-wise, the all-good, the all-loving, the all-powerful, trustworthy Father. We know he is who he says he is because we can look back 2,000 years ago and say, he did that. The tomb is empty. There's people who spent their life going through the the evidence for an empty tomb. This is an apologetics class. I'm not going to do that. If that's an area that's a sticking point for you or for someone you love, I would uh, reach out to me or reach out to Jeremy. We can point you to some good resources where you can dig in on your own. Just really briefly, I would say the strongest apologetic, the strongest evidence of a resurrected Jesus is us sitting in this room. The church makes no sense, capital C. The church makes no sense if Jesus didn't come back from the grave. was founded by 11 Jewish men. If their leader, Jesus, if the last they see of him is betrayed by one of our closest friends, denied by one of our leaders, Peter, deserted by the rest of us, beaten, crucified, thrown in a tomb. But that's the end of the story. As a good Jewish man, what those guys assume is, we were wrong. He was not the Messiah. Far from it. He's cursed by God. That's what Deuteronomy says. Cursed is anyone who's hung on a tree. He was rejected by God. God wouldn't let that happen to the Messiah, the one who's supposed to deliver us, the one who's supposed to make everything right. That isn't it. They walk away. The the, the church founded in Jerusalem by these 11 Jewish men and the other 109 people who were connected with them on the day of Pentecost. It's the strongest evidence for the resurrection. If you want more, reach out. We'll give it to you. We're going to move on for now. Again, it's not apologetics class. The resurrection confirms the character of the Father. The character of the Father is what allows us to get back up again after we've been devastated and and, and disappointed. The character of the Father is what allows us to maintain a, a confident expectation of a better future. That's one of the reasons when we say hope in our world, that's why it's not a confident expectation. It's because it's not based on anything. What are we basing our hope on? The fickleness of human nature that we can figure out what the the guy on the other side of the table is going to do when he looks at my resume. That's my hope. My ability to sell myself or convince somebody of something. Of course, it it makes perfect sense why we, we would use hope to diminish expectations. 
We don't have anything to base it on. But if hope is rooted in the character of God, confirmed by the resurrection of Jesus, you can be confident about that. You can take that to the bank. That's a rock. That's not shifting sand. The resurrection for us individually, we can have a confident expectation about a better future. We can bounce back when we're disappointed and devastated because the resurrection for us personally says death's no longer the king. Up until the resurrection of Jesus, death was undefeated. But with the resurrection of Jesus, we see one stronger and more powerful than death. That's a cliche for you if you've been in church for a long time. You think about how radical that notion is. That death itself, the inevitability that we all face, it's not a brick wall anymore. It's a doorway into a fuller and richer and better life. It's not a period, it's a comma. Think about that. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, we, believers in him, we're to be pitied. How about that word? We're to be pitied above all people. Why? Because our faith is futile. Because we're still in our sins. Because all of humanity, everyone who dies is lost with a capital L. If this is the only world in which, if this is it, if this is all we've got, 75, 85, 95, 105 years. All we're doing during that time is rearranging chairs on the Titanic because the ship is sinking. If we're still in our sins, then our eternity is still separated from our Father. That's what we call hell. It doesn't matter. All we're doing at that point in this life is making ourselves more comfortable for the trip. But if Jesus has been raised from the dead, well, that changes everything. That changes everything. Then this life is not all there is. Then we can do more than make ourselves comfortable on the way to hell. By putting our faith and our hope and our trust in him, our sins can be forgiven. We can be adopted into the family of God and we can live forever with him. The resurrection communicates that to you and to me that death has been defeated it doesn't have the final word cosmically there's even greater news if you can imagine that the resurrection of jesus signals the the beginning of a new era it's called the age to come that's what the new testament says this new time this new era is called pre-political correctness we divided time bc before christ and ad in the year of our lord in the Line of demarcation was Jesus' birth. It was great. Theologically, it would be better to divide time at Jesus' resurrection. Before Jesus' resurrection, this present evil age. After Jesus' resurrection, the age to come. When God would rule on earth as he does in heaven. Where God's kingdom would come to earth as it has come in heaven. Where all of the effects of the fall would be reversed. Where sin and Satan and death would be fully destroyed where all of creation will be renewed and redeemed and restored. That's, that's what Jesus' resurrection signified. That time, it's kicked off. With his resurrection, you may be thinking, well, if that's true, I'm not sure why we need hope. If it's all that good, why do we need hope? And then pretty quickly, you're probably thinking, it's not really all that good. If this is what the kingdom looks like, we, we want a refund. Because it doesn't seem that great. 
You've seen a, sun, a sunrise at the beach, right? The sun peaks over the horizon. That's the first Easter. That's the sun peaking S-U-N. Peaking, I'm not being punny. Y'all know me better than that. That's the sun peaking over the horizon. And light is coming, but there's still darkness. And there will be until the sun, S-U-N, completely rises. And that's when Jesus returns. And so we live in this in-between time. The sun has broken in, but there's still darkness. It hasn't dispelled all the darkness. But that's coming. It's coming. And the reason we need to be people of hope and people of resilience is until the sun, S-U-N, fully rises and we can see, until the sun, S-O-N, returns and deals fully and finally with all the enemies of God, we're going to suffer, and you know that. We're going to get sick, and you know that. We're going to die, and people we love are going to die. You know that. We're going to be disappointed. Our hope is going to, the things we're hoping for, that we're not going to receive all of them. It's going to be deferred or delayed. We're going to see injustice and wickedness and evil, and at times we're going to think they're winning. It's just the reality of living in a fallen world and a world full of hurt people who then hurt people. Having an enemy who, even though he's been defeated, still, still, still steals and kills and destroys. Having a God whose ways are higher than our ways, and sometimes we just don't understand what he's doing. And so in that tension, the light has broken in, but it's not fully, it's not noon yet. To be a person of hope, to be a person of resilience, I think, vital if you're going to navigate this world well as a follower of Jesus. How do we cultivate those capacities? Interesting. Perseverance, there's a verbal root to persevere. There's not one for resilience. It's a, it's a characteristic or it's a quality. How do we cultivate that? How do we become people of hope? Do we just close our eyes to what's going on around us? Do we grit our teeth? What, 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 are, we, what are we doing? The resurrection foundation, ground, fuel. This may sound almost trivial. Think about it. That's it. Think about the resurrection. We do on Easter. That's kind of part of the deal. We dress up and come to church. Everybody's here and we worship and all of those things are good and right and as they should be. We need days of celebration. But what about on May 9th? What helps us then? We want to be formed and shaped by the reality of the resurrection. It's not just an event that we celebrate once a year. It's not just something that purchased a ticket for us when we die to avoid hell and get heaven. The resurrection should form and shape everything that we're doing. It's the most monumental event in the history of history. It's it. It's number one. Literally changes everything. Again, Death is defeated. That's mind-blowing to me. Because Jesus rose from the grave. I would encourage you, Matthew, Luke, and John. Mark's resurrection story leaves a little bit to be desired. Matthew, Luke, and John. Read those three. Don't go long without reading one of those three. And as you read it, this is what I want you to do. The Holy Spirit, part of his job is to guide us into the truth. Holy Spirit, beyond the mechanics of this morning, 
women showing up at a tomb and then being bewildered and leaving and angel beyond that show me what does this mean for me on Wednesday how does this shape my life raising these kids working this job living in this community I need help would you show me Holy Spirit how the fact that Jesus rose from the grave should form me and shape me and I pray that you would lead me deeper into the reality of that. That I would become someone who has a growing sense of confidence in a better future. That I would become someone who bounces back more quickly from devastation and disappointment. He'll do that as you think about the resurrection. Because it's the foundation and the ground and the fuel for those things. Bo's going to send out a playlist this week. Songs that focus on the resurrection. Worship. Listen to those songs. Let those things get into your heart. Something as simple as, as meditating, we don't really do that. Turn off all the media, pull away by yourself, 10, 15 minutes. Again, same prayer. Holy Spirit, I just lead me. I want to think on the resurrection. I want to focus on the resurrection of Jesus. Help me to do that. And he will. It's not magic. It's not you're going to get up a completely new person. But over time, as you marinate in the reality of the resurrection, you're going to find yourself, I promise, becoming a more hopeful person and a more resilient person. Because the resurrection, again, it's not just an event. There's a power to it. It will form and shape your heart. Unfortunately, there's a bad strain of theology in the church, and it says the best thing we can do for the world is nothing. Because Jesus comes back when it's a dumpster fire. So if we want him to come back and fix everything, we need to let it burn. There's nothing about that that's being salt. There's nothing about that that's being light. There's nothing about that that says God so loves. There's nothing about that that Jesus says he's not going to return until the gospel's preached to all nations, not when the whole thing's on fire. It's terrible theology. But if you're going to engage in the world, you're going to get bumped around. You know that. And the only way to maintain a faithful posture, to maintain hope and to bounce back to me, is to be formed and shaped by the reality of the resurrection. Again, just that one statement, death has been defeated. We could spend a long, long time unpacking what that means. It changes everything for us. This is what I want you to do as we move towards closing. A couple of groups in particular I want us to pray for. One, if you in your most honest, if you would say, I, I've grown a little bit. This is normal, by the way. Proverbs uh, says that, I think it's 11, says hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so if there's an area of your life where... Um, your hope has been deferred. We've been disappointed. You kind of feel like God's pushed pause or put you in time out or is ignoring you, whatever your phrase is for that. It's normal because that hurts to take a step back. This is what we do. Because it hurts to stay in that place of hope when that hope is not being fulfilled. And so if that's you, and normally it's just one area of life. It's not about your whole relationship with the Lord. It's not about your salvation. It's about one area of life. If that's you this morning, we want to pray. And I know you're wearing your nice clothes, and I know your family's with you, and you probably got an Easter egg hunt or something to go to, but you don't want to miss this. 
God can work anywhere, but he works here also. And we don't want you to miss the opportunity to meet with him today, to, to receive prayer. So if that's you, if you've lost some hope in an area, we want to pray that this living hope that we just read about in 1 Peter is awakened in you. Hebrews 6 talks about our hope as an anchor that goes into the holiest place of heaven. You think about what an anchor does for a boat. It keeps it tethered. That's what our hope does. It keeps us tied to the heart of God. And so if there's an area of your life where hope is, again, where it's maybe you would say it's, it's, if it's not dead, it's on life support. I would describe myself in this area maybe not as hopeful, but cynical or jaded, or maybe you would use the word realistic. That's where I'm standing. We want to pray for you. If you're online, don't miss that either. Don't, we want you to make sure that you're engaging with the Lord on this second group. For some of you, honestly, you've been gut-punched. You're the ball smashed on the ground. And you don't know if you're going to bounce back. This is what you're thinking in your mind. i got to pick up the pieces. Rubber balls don't pick up pieces. That's what glass balls do. That's not you. You'll bounce back. You ask the Lord to help you do that. And we're going to pray that God would do that for you. That you would return to your original shape. I was talking to somebody about this, and she said, I don't want to return to my original shape. If I'm going to be flattened, when I bounce back, I'd rather look more like Jesus. And he'll do that for you. Romans 8, 29, we're predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus. And he uses the flattenings to form our hearts and to shape our characters. And if that's you, if you've been leveled, and don't think about the other people, they had it worse than me. We're just talking about you. And if that's how you feel today, we want to pray that God would re-inflate the deflated balloon that is your heart. And that you would bounce back. We want to be people who are resilient. We want to be people who are hopeful. Because we live in this in-between time. The dawn has broken. And it's not noon yet. And it's not going to be until Jesus returns. So if we want to navigate this world well, we've got to hold on to both of those things. We want to have a confident expectation of a better future. We want to bounce back. When we're devastated and disappointed, not again because we're rosy-eyed optimists, not because we're naive, not because we grit our teeth, but because we're convinced that our Father is all good and all powerful and all loving and all wise, that He is trustworthy. And exhibit A is the fact that His Son walked out of a grave three days after He was killed. And that event was more than an event. It shook reality. It means death is no longer the king. You can live with him forever. You don't have to be afraid of death anymore. Let's pray. I've talked enough. Bo's going to come back. The team, they're going to lead us in worship. I want you, if, if one of those two things hit you, the hope or the resilience... I just go ahead and come forward. Don't wait. We have some staff members who are going to move around and they're going to pray for you. You can just give them the really short version of why you're coming forward just to help them pray. But you don't, certainly don't need to tell them everything.
Staff, you guys can go ahead and come forward as people are making their way. If you're in the congregation, you heard, like, the reason people are coming, you know. You may not know the details, but you know the heart. So pray for these who are bold enough to come forward that the Lord would move and work and let your worship be intercession for them. Sometimes worship is kind of like holding the door for people. You pull the door open so other people can come in. Your worship in these next few moments can be that for these who've come forward. You're holding the door for them to do business with Jesus. So, Holy Spirit, would you do that this Easter Sunday as we look back and celebrate your resurrection? We want to live in the reality of that as well, the the ongoing power of your resurrection. We don't want that to be an event that we refer to once a year. but an ongoing reality that shapes how we live on Thursday and in July and in 2023. An ongoing reality that shapes how we view what we see going on around us and how we interpret what's happening to us. We pray for those who who would say, my heart is sick because my hope has been deferred. Would you awaken hope within them? We pray for that living hope that we read about. Would you stir that Holy Spirit in the hearts of these men and women? For those who are flattened this morning and they don't know. They don't know if they're getting back up. Holy Spirit, would you stir within them as well? The the very power that raised Jesus from the dead that is resident within them. God, would you give them strength to get back up? For all of us, again, we want to celebrate what you've done and we want to live in the ongoing implications of that. God, I pray for those who are watching online, those whose hopes have been deferred, whose lives have been flattened. Would you minister to them in in their living rooms and around their kitchen tables? We need you this morning, Holy Spirit. So would you come in Jesus' name? Amen. You have to stand with us. I cast my mind to Calvary. Where Jesus bled and died for me, I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. His body bowed and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy storm. Messiah still and all alone. And go 
Sunday, this day of celebration, the day of holding tight and remembering uh, Christ's victory over death. Um, and it was just listening to the sermon, asking God what specifically He would want me to share with you. Um, I was reminded of just this whole story of John 20 in particular um, in, in the Gospels. Jesus comes back to life. He is resurrected and He has He is victorious even over death but he doesn't just go straight to the father he he comes and he ministers he meets with he cares for his disciples he he walks with them through what this means this revelation that Jesus has defeated death that there's now no longer separation between uh those that are sinful, all of us and God, that we are reconciled back to the Father. And I think it's really important that, that Jesus, um, he spends time and he, he just cares for them well. John 20 shows us that Thomas, um, in particular, gets just an up-close version of Jesus really showing him, look at my hands, look at the sides, look and believe because he wanted Thomas to know and to fully step into the victory that Christ had and and into the faith and life that Thomas was invited to step into as follower of Jesus. Um, And so I just encourage you, look through John 20 today, and as we read the Bible devotionally, we are asking God, God, what do you have for me in this story that you want to speak to me directly? I would encourage you, read John 20 and just ask the Lord, Lord, what what do you want me to, what are you speaking to me in this passage? Um, And I know it'll be a blessing to you guys. Thank you so much for joining. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great day.